Well, all these pictures, all these paintings, all these stained glass windows that we've all grown up with, what they have, all have in common is there's this halo thing going on. What is that about? What we try to do, Christians, all right, is that we try to sanitize the Bible and make it a little more palatable, a little more, you know, uh, e- easy, to, easy to hear. What, what really happened? And here, real is the key word there, right? Like I'm talking about real people living real lives in a really, really hard time in history. There comes a time when everybody will sit in your driveway before you open the door and then go inside and say and do something that will change life forever. You ever been there? You've been there yet? How can this be? What, 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 what am I going to do? And you're, you're not going to go in the house. You're going to sit there going, come on, God. I can't do this. And you're about to put it in reverse and just run. Because that's, that's who you've always been. But this time, this time it's going to be different. Emmanuel means God is with us. And I'm going to be honest with you, that's not really done it for me in my first 50 years of life. I'm, I'm telling you, God with us, God is everywhere, not helpful. God's in heaven, great. After my funeral, he'll open pearly gates and I'll go in. Not helpful today. You know what I need God to be? Right here. Welcome to Broken Halos. Hey, I want to pick up right where we left off last week. If you weren't here, there's some key phrases that we're going to come back today and then all the way through the series uh, right up until Christmas Eve. Uh, The first one is is this. As we're we're going to be looking at some really familiar stories in the Bible, you've gone to church twice in your life. This is one of the times you went, probably at Christmas, and you've heard some version of the story. What's really, really important is to, to know this or remember this. We're not just talking about Bible people. We're talking about people. Okay, they just happen to be in the Bible, but they're real people. And what this whole series is about uh, is, about is we're going to rip the halos off of, of all these people that lived real lives, and we're going to do our best to, to keep them out of that ca- category called other or, or not like me. Because when we call them other or not like me, then whatever they go through with God, we can go, well, that's different because my life is very different. No, we're, we're talking about real people running into something that they had never experienced before. Hearing from God saying, hey, I want you to do this. I've never asked anybody else to do this. And then whatever they run into or whatever runs into them, they react the same way that you and I would have reacted whenever we get hit by something that we didn't see coming. What do you mean? We ask the same question, how? How, how can this be? Some version of that question, right? How am I gonna do this? How am I gonna make it through this? How can this be? Real people, not Bible people, just people, all right? The other thing that we keep coming back to is this, this phrase, God chooses people, and I put the word real in here this week, so God chooses real people, and we wouldn't choose them, all right? That we wouldn't choose to do things that we never thought possible, and he's going to do it in ways that we had never, had never considered. And if you just look at that, kind of take it in for a second, all right? We can hang with most of that, at least the, the God parts. I mean, if there really is a God, he can do things that we would say were impossible because he's God, and he could probably do them in ways we had never considered. Most of us can hang with that, right? The part we get stuck on is God chooses like real people. And our first question is, really? Real, real people, because here's what we jump to right away. Okay, if, if God's going to pick a person, we start building a resume that that kind of person would need to have, all right? Here's the kind of qualifications for God to look around the earth and go, oh, you're the best one to do this, and then point at her or him, right? We also come up with a list of qualifications where we go, well, here's the list of things that if you've ever done this, I bet God couldn't use a person like that. And we're really not talking about a person, we're talking about ourselves. I have all these things in my life that I'm pretty sure that um, would, would, would disqualify me, all right? We come up with a list of super, uh, spiritual superpowers, so much so that you would have a halo if you could actually live up to that. And then we can look at the other things that would disqualify people like us. We do that all the time. 
We do that to, to, to other people. We do it to ourselves. But I'll give you an example of that. Every once in a while, I'll get on Facebook. I'm trying to wean myself off of it because it just steals my life. But anyway, every once in a while, I'll get on there, and, and, and I'll run into somebody from high school or college, and they'll write me a note, and they're like, really? Like, they don't, they, they, they're surprised I'm alive, all right? They, they, they really are blown away that I'm a Christian. They don't have a category. I'm a pastor. You know why? They did college with me, all right? They, they, they play tapes in their head going, hey, remember, Jim, remember what we did to those people or what, what, what happened to that? They, they, and all the tapes that they're playing are true, right? Like, let's be honest, okay? I and mean, we're watching the news and all this stuff is coming to the surface. We all have stuff in our life that we hope never comes to light. It's not just the politicians, right? Because I'm sure that we could all lose everything, right? And so, so the truth is, is that there's some things in our life that, that people are gonna hold against us forever. We're gonna hold against ourselves. And just say, you know, it's impossible for God to use people like me. So let's go back to this phrase again, all right? God chooses people, real people, that we wouldn't choose to do things we never thought possible in ways that we had never considered. Here's what I want to, to think about when, when you look at that phrase, okay? So, so some impossible things are gonna happen, all right? Who, here's the question, who is it that's gonna do or pull off the impossible thing that we had never considered? Who, who's, who's gonna make that happen? God, God, right, right? And it goes back to what we talked about last week. This, I mean, we come from a lot of different backgrounds, faith, no faith, whatever that is. So when we hear the word faith, we have a lot of things going on in our head. Whenever you hear me say the word faith, this is what I want you to think. Faith, by definition, is this. I believe, and, and belief can be trust, have confidence, I, I have assurance of, all right, whatever, it's the same word, right? I believe that God is who he says he is. He says he's good. I have the level of confidence that he really is. And not only that, I also have a level of confidence, I believe, I trust, that God can and will do what he promised to do. That, by definition, is faith. God is who he says he is. He made a promise. I think he's going to keep it. That's faith. Here's, here's, here's what we go to when we think of faith. Here's the wrong definition of faith. It goes like this. I believe that I'm good enough. And I'm, I'm qualified enough. And I can do, like I have an answer, I have a solution. And I will do, because I have the ability to do it, I will do everything that needs to be done. I don't know about faith in God, I believe in myself, right? But what we're looking at here is when it comes to God choosing and doing something, the question is not, do you, do you have faith that you can do it, right? Do you have faith? Do you have faith that God can and will do, even though you have a list of like reasons and circumstances and emotions and stuff that you look at and go, I don't see how it's possible. Can you still have faith that God can do it? I don't understand how he's gonna do it. I don't even like what's going on in my life, but I, I do believe this. I believe he's good and that he will actually keep his promise, even though my life doesn't make sense, all right? It's not a hypothetical, or do you think it, that it's true for some people? No, do you, do you have that level of confidence in God enough to get up out of this room or get up off your couch or get up off your whatever and get up and say, you know, I trust him so much, I'm gonna obey him. And when my life falls apart, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna hold on and I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna keep going. Now, now, let me just talk to Christians, because, you know, here, I'm sure this is happening at all of our campuses right now. When I say stuff like that, do you really trust God? I see all the Christians going, I do, I, I do. Stop nodding your heads, okay, because I'm going to call you out, all right? Because even if you say yes, please, please know this. I have faith, and I, and I trust God. Eat, I don't care how much faith you have. A time is coming, and this is what we looked at last week. A time is coming when every one of us is going to sit in our driveway, or maybe we want to make it home. Our car's going to break down on the side of the road. And we're going to sit in a broken down car. And if it's not there, we're going to sit in an emergency room or, or a police station or a lawyer's office or a courtroom or a cancer ward or whatever that is. And here's what we're going to think to ourselves: I trusted you. Have you been there yet? Right? I trusted you. I did what I was supposed to do. We're going to come back to this in a minute. I, I did it right. And then this happened. 
And the question that's gonna come to mind for all of us is this, how? How, how can this happen? How, how, how can this be? And we're gonna, we're gonna sit wherever we sit, we're gonna try to connect the dots. This is what's going on in my life and it's not good. And you try to lay that beside what you believe to be true about God and he says he's good, you're gonna try to connect those dots and they're not gonna connect. And what are you gonna do then? And, the, and your options are, you're gonna hold on to God and keep going anyway or you're gonna throw it in reverse and take off because this is too much. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So file this away. Everything that we're going to talk about today and look at today happens after Mary and Joseph look at God and go, I'm in, I trust you. I think you're good and I think you're going to take care of me, all right? Spoiler alert, all right? It gets worse. It gets worse. A lot of people think, if I trust God, he's going to open every door and smooth out every pathway. Not, not, not today. It actually gets worse. Let me kind of set up where we are today, all right? So again, if you weren't here last week, go back online and watch it. But so we have Mary, she's about 14 years old. We're gonna pick up the story today. She's nine months pregnant, all right? Scandal, all right? So, so we have a 14-year-old, she's just ready to pop. She's just, and see, I don't know if I'm allowed to say pop. I don't know if that's politically correct anymore, but she's about to explode. Anyway, but anyway, all right, so, so you got a 14-year-old there. She's, she's with child, whatever that is, all right? And, and where we pick up the story is that Rome, the Roman Empire, runs that whole part of the planet, okay? That's historical fact. And, and so the, the, the emperor, all right, Caesar, he sends out a decree. He says, listen, send everybody back to their hometown. So if there's a man, take your wife or take your kids. And in, in, in Jesus' day, all right, in Mary and Joseph's day, if you're engaged, you're as good as married. So take your fiance, go back to your hometown, go back to your ancestral town, go to the government office and, and register. And the reason they're doing this is because they're the government. What do you mean? They want to know how many people they have so they can know how much tax money is going to be coming their way later, okay? Nothing's changed. All right, so that, that, that is political. That's absolutely political. Okay, so, um, so we're going to pick up the story, all right? Mary and Joseph and the whole world is going to have to report back to their hometowns, okay? So we pick it up in Luke chapter 2. In all, in all of our campuses, in the auditoriums, there's free Bibles in the back if you want to pick one up later. We, a lot of us know this story. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, so that's where they lived. He went to Judea, which is another part of Israel, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. So uh, years ago, King David was actually born in this town, so they now call it the city of David, all right? And the reason Joseph goes there is because he's of the house and lineage he's, he's related to, distantly, all right? Uh, King, King, King David, all right? That, that's why he goes there, all right? Because, look at this, to, he's to be registered with Mary, his, his betrothed, which is his fiance, all right, who was with child. So, so again, think, think what's going on here. You got, you got a 14-year-old, nine-month, you know, pregnant girl, all right? And Mary and Joseph have to pack up the donkey and go from Nazareth to, to Bethlehem. And that's like, a, that's like 70 miles that's like a three-day, you know, donkey ride uh, up, to, uh, up to Bethlehem. Now, this is where a lot of Christians, again, we talked about this last week, a lot of Christians read this story because we've heard it so many times, we go, yeah, get to the good part, right? Time out. Real people. Real pregnant girl, okay? Uh, hey, uh, hey, ladies, all right, what would you do? If your husband slash fiance slash boyfriend looked over and goes, hey, I know, you're, I know you're about ready to give birth, but let's go on a donkey ride. Like around the block? No, three days. All right, right, right. You would look at him and go, you pound sand, right? Something like that, right? So, so let me kind of, so um, this weekend, my, my son-in-law, Ben, he was scheduled to teach, okay? Um, but here's the thing is that, is that his, his wife, my daughter, Allie, is literally nine months pregnant, okay? This isn't a Christmas story. It's, it's real people, okay? So, so anyway, so, so this past Wednesday, I'm, I'm at Chick-fil-A. Not the first time that day I was at Chick-fil-A, but I was at Chick-fil-A in the drive-thru. 
don't judge me. It's a good place. So anyway, not open today. But uh, anyway, um, so I'm in, I'm in the drive-thru and my phone rings and it's Ben. I go, hey, buddy, what's going on? He's supposed to teach. He goes, hey, so Allie just called me uh, from, from work and, and some stuff's happening like down there. And I listened as best I could until he, he used the, the phrase mucus plug at the same time that the lady in the drive-thru asked if I wanted sauce for my nuggets. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> my pleasure. I mean, whatever, okay. And uh, it ruined it for me. I can't eat Chick-fil-A sauce ever again, all right. So he's saying, hey, I don't know what to do. I'm scheduled to teach, and I've written part of the talk. I don't have it all done, stuff like that, but I feel like I need to be with Allie. I'm like, buddy, make a decision. And he made a good decision. You know, he said, hey, Jim, will you cover for me so I can be there? And by the way, she hasn't given birth yet. Anyway, uh, <laughs> she's a little dramatic. She always has been. Anyway, but anyway. <laughs> you're going to tell her. I said that, aren't you? Anyway, so I say, hey, buddy, send, send me your notes. And he, and he sent me his notes. And, and, and when, he, when he's talking about, you know, so, so Joseph turns to Mary and says, hey, we have to go 70 miles. You know, I, he was going, you know what? If I, if I told Allie, <laughs> he's like, and they couldn't get it out. He says, because when we go to Target, it's 10 minutes from our house. We barely make it there. She's like, ah. He said, Jim, have you ever seen the movie Apocalypse Now? And I'm like, yeah. It's like that. You know, it's just like, so if I told her we were going to go on a, on a donkey ride, you know, she would actually start you know, foaming at the mouth, and then she would kill me and the donkey and make a necklace out of us. That's, that's my daughter. Okay, now, um, so Ben's not here today. <laughs> He's at home with her, and, uh, so, um, as he should be. But the thing about the, the whole reason this happened is because God said, hey, Mary, not based on Mary's qualifications or her resume, I choose you. Right? And Joseph. And they, they said, you know what? We, we, we trust you, God, and, and we're going to obey. Now, now, here's my question. I'm going I'm to come, come back to this question later. Um, if, if there's a God, then God runs the universe. And if God runs the universe, then he has control of, of everything that happens in the universe. My question is, hey, God, why did there have to be a census today? Right? Have you ever felt like that? It's like, really? Today? I mean, I mean, I've got some other things going on. God, you, could ha- you run the universe, and you had to have this happen. To get- Again, you think Mary and Joseph are real people, and they have to be thinking real people thoughts, you know? I'd say two days into that donkey ride, the prayer goes something like this. Dear Heavenly Father, really? Re- really? I mean, uh, 70 miles on a donkey, that good idea, Lord. By the way, this is your kid, just all right, right? So, uh, you know, I ever pray this? I-, I-, I could use a little help here. How about a break? In Jesus' name, amen, right? Something like that, all right? But, but here's the thing is, this is the easiest part of the trip. It, it, it gets so much rougher, okay? So let's just jump ahead, all right? And while they were there, so Mary and Joseph, they make it to Bethlehem, the time came for her, for Mary to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, and here's why, because there was no place for them in the inn. And I want you to hold on to that, because I, last week I, I kind of dismantled part of Christmas for you. Today I'm just going to blow up your nativity scene. Are you going to go home and go, just throw it in the trash? It doesn't even mean anything anymore, right? So, so you're welcome for that. So, so here's what. We've always grown up, all right? Even if you've been to church a couple times, got drug off to mass on Christmas, whatever that is, all right? Here's what we picture that was like. Somehow, Joseph is like walking into Bethlehem, like, do-do-do-do-do, going to Bethlehem, right? And, then, and he's happy, and Mary's like sights out going, I'm giving birth to the Savior. It's something like that, all right? And everything's happy. And they, they see a motel and go, hey, babe, let's check into there. And they go into Motel 6, and they walk in and go, we'd like a room. And then this evil innkeeper goes, there's no room in the inn. Get out of my, get out of my yard, or something, something like that, all right? Then, luckily, right next door, there's the most warm, safe, comfortable barn. And they just go in there, this is fine. Right? And they, and they go in there and, and Mary gives birth to Jesus and the cattle are lowing. What does that mean? 
And angels are flying overhead singing joy to the world and playing on their harps. And the camera kind of goes up and there's the Bethlehem star. And it's just beautiful. And it is beautiful. It's very beautiful. It makes a great Christmas card. I've gotten that Christmas card three times already. Thank you for that, all right? Now, here's the thing, all right? That's not what happened. Some of you are going, let's leave now. I want to think about, I want that, okay? So let, let, me just, let me just blow this up for you, okay? Let's go back to the word in. Okay, so there was no room in the inn. So an inn is, a, you could translate it this way, it's an ancient version of a hotel. And that, again, that's what most of us think. They, they try to check in, there's a no vacancy sign, find another room, some, some other hotel, right? But, but inns, back in, back in this time, 2,000 years ago, um, they were more of a Roman thing. And, and the Roman Empire, the Roman government, they would build like hotels in like important towns. So when dignitaries passed through, they'd have a place to stay and not stay in a barn or something like that, okay? But, but, but Bethlehem is Podunkville. It's not important at, at all. It's not a big city. It's just little, a little town. And the Jewish faith is important because King David was born there, but nobody else cares about it. So there probably wasn't a hotel there. But let's just, let's just go with it. Let's say there was a hotel there. And they went in and tried to check in the hotel and they, and they got turned away. That's, that's, that's not likely given that in Israel, hospitality was right up there with worshiping God. You didn't turn people away. You, if somebody said, can I have some food? You gave them food. If somebody said, I need a place to stay, you, you'd say, you, you, yeah, you, you can come in. So it's, it's really hard to imagine that, you know, here's 14-year-old Mary walking in the lobby of this hotel, like, ah, right, whatever that is, all right? And every single person turned their head and go, nope, can't have my room. No, no way. Or the innkeeper going, you know, fire code, I'd like to stay here with fire code, you can't even stay in the lobby, so, so maybe give birth out in the alley or something like that. Probably not. So, so what else could it mean, all right? Well, let's go back to the word in, because in can actually translate this way, like an extra room in your house, we would just call it a guest room. It's the same word. Now, this makes better sense to me, and here's why. Let's, let's do some math and connect some, some dots, all right? The, the reason that Joseph had to pack up Mary, all right, on a donkey and go 70 miles to Bethlehem was because the government says there's a census, and you have to go back to your family or your ancestral home, which means that, David, or that Joseph had relatives, like he was born there or his dad was born there, something like that, meaning somewhere in Bethlehem, there is Joseph's family's family compound, all right, all right. So if you've ever maybe served in the military or something like that, if you've ever, ever been to the Middle East, this is what a family compound looks like. It's a walled enclosure. It has one gate, and inside of there are many rooms, meaning great-grandpa built it and had a room and a big wall, and then he had a son, all right, and he went and got a, a wife, and he came back, and they built a room onto that. Now there's two there, all right? And then he had a son. He went and got his wife and came back. So in my father's house are many rooms. That's, that's where that comes from, okay? So it's a walled compound, all right? And so here's probably what happened. After a three-day, 70-mile donkey ride with a wife who's in, going into labor, the door that Joseph probably knocked on was his mom and dad's door. We go there every Thanksgiving or whatever their equivalent is. We, we always go there. They knocked on grandpa's door, and here's what they were told. There is no room for you here. You can't come in. And you know what? For some of us, that makes better sense than others because some of us have experienced this. There's only a handful of people who, if, if in their opinion, you screwed up in a big way, there's a handful of people who will treat you worse than strangers will. And that's family. Some of us go, you know what? I, I get treated better by people I don't even know than by my own family judging me and, and, and accusing me, right? See, Joseph, I really believe this. I think Joseph plans on packing up Mary, going home to Bethlehem, to his parents' house, and when he shows up, he's greeted at the door going, uh, there's no room for you. And again, I, this is what I do. I, I, I make up like movies in my head. The meds help, but I'm, anyway, all right, so, so here's how I picture it. I think, I think they walk in the front door, and he's got 14-year-old 
prego Mary, right, right, coming in, like, all right. And I think the room goes silent. I think the whole courtyard or whatever, it's a record scratch, you know, it's like everybody's going, there he is, and there she is. We heard about this. There's my cousin, there's my uncle, there's my brother, whatever that is. And I think Joseph reads the moment, and again, in my, this, is, this, is Bible, this is what goes on in my head. I think he went, hey, hey, Merry Christmas. I don't know how he said it, but uh, hey, hey, listen, I know this is awkward. I, this isn't what it looks like. I mean, so this is Mary, and we're engaged, and it's not my baby. I mean, it is my baby, but... But actually, it's God's baby, and I know that sounds crazy, but then this angel came to me in a dream and confirmed everything, and so we're engaged, and, and I, I, again, can, can we just come, hey, can we talk about this later, because she needs to lay down, because a baby's coming out. Can we lay down? And Joseph, you know what Joseph's parents do? They do exactly what you would do. If your 20-year-old 20, 20 son walked in the door with a 14-year-old pregnant girl and said, he, she's pregnant with the Savior of the world, can we spend the night? You go, listen. You can't be here. You can't be here. See, the Bible word for Mary in their minds was she was a sinful woman. We would just call her a slut who trapped their son. That's exactly what we'd go. Oh, we will talk about this later, but I'll just tell you this. That girl is not going to have that baby in this house, so get out of here. And maybe, maybe Joseph's like going, okay, can, I, can, we, can we stay in the guest room, in, like in the inn? Nope, it's full. No room for you. Can I get a cot, maybe? Maybe a blanket, maybe a pillow for this baby? Nope, all used up, all taken. Now get that slut out of my house and get her off my property before the neighbors see us. And by this time, you got to think, girls, right, that Mary's like going, can we just go? Can we just get out of here? And, and, and Joseph's in a panic. And, and, and the, the two of them, it says that they, 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 they find a, a place and, and have birth, gave birth to Jesus. And then he laid her in a, in a manger. Now, let me kind of set this up again. Because, again, this is going to probably blow up your nativity set. But there weren't a lot of barns in that part of the world. Around Bethlehem, there were a lot of caves. And so a lot, a lot of people would do in that area is they, they get all their sheep together, all their cows, whatever it is, and they put them in a cave for the night and then put a fence across the, 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 the front of it and keep them in there all, all safe, okay? And so, so they probably, Mary probably gave birth in a cave and then laid the baby in a manger. Today, the, the equivalent would be this. Joseph took 14-year-old Mary and put her, put her in his beater car, pulled around back of the house, went in the garage, laid the seat back, and Mary gave birth in a, in a VW and then, then, then Joseph went over the, around the garage. He found some oily rags that his dad had wiped up the engine with and he got the cleanest ones he could and he wrapped baby Jesus in those and laid him in the back seat in the middle of nowhere, right? In a cold cave filled with sheep dung and everything else or in the front seat or back seat of a beater car, Mary gives birth to the savior of the world, God with flesh on. What's a manger? It's a food trough. And he probably scraped out all, his, all the leftover food and, and he laid Jesus in that manger. And let me just tell you this, and there was no great rejoicing. There's no heavenly host. That, we're gonna talk about that next week. That's miles away in a different field, the shepherds, all right? In that moment, it's just Mary and Joseph and a newborn baby. What would you do? Because they're real people. We sing silent night, but I think there's probably something breaking the silence. I would say crying, right? And Mary and Joseph is looking at this little thing, like laying there going, how, how, how can this be? How, why is this, how is this happening? No, nobody, nobody's taking care of us. No, nobody understands. No, nobody even, even cares about us, all right? And listen, they're, they're not like fortune tellers. They're just kids trying to figure stuff out. And nobody's going to help him. See, they can't look ahead and go, it all works out at the end and he saves the world. No, 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 no. In that moment, all they know is this. Our family hates us. When we get back to Nazareth, they're all going to hate us. And they're ha if they're real people, they have to think real things like us. Is this even worth it? 
Is it, is it even worth it? And again, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just projecting too much of my own stuff onto Mary and Joseph. I, I, I have a lot of stuff, but here's what I just got to think. Huddled in that garage, you know, and in the back of their minds are going, I, I don't, what did I sign up for? This is not what I thought it was going to be. I pray in a prayer like this. Hey, hey, God, are you there? And do you care? And are you paying attention? Because it doesn't even feel like you care about it. And, and I'll, where, where, is, where, where is Jesus, all right? I'll, I'll, I'll bet Jesus is in the backseat screaming like every other newborn baby that I've ever met, right? And I think Mary's probably huddled up in the cave or in the backseat over there. She's 14 years old. She's covered in blood. She's crying and probably just saying this, I just want my mom. Instead, I'm in some garage behind a house for my loving in-laws, called me a slut and kicked me out. This is not the way I thought it was gonna be. And Joseph, it's like every other guy, he's just thinking to himself, you know what? What am I gonna do? I gotta, I gotta fix this. I gotta, I, I, gotta, I gotta figure this out. Staring at this little baby. What's happening? And now what you pray whenever, you know, when, when you're doing your best? How about this? Hey, God, I, I'm, I did exactly what you told me to do. And I did it right. Why is this happening? Right, why, why is this happening? And here's, here's the, the big prayer. It goes like this. See, have you ever prayed this? And you could fix this if you wanted to. You could heal her if you wanted to. You could change his heart if you wanted to. Why won't you do that? Why won't you help me? Anybody prayed that prayer? Because I have a lot. But I wonder, you know, as Joseph's in that garage, in that cave, whatever it was, I wonder if Joseph understands that at the moment that he's shouting at God, you're not taking care of me. I wonder if he understood that, that God was right there. Where was God? In the back seat, screaming his little lungs out. He, he was right there. See, God himself entered our world. This is so great. This is Christmas. God entered our world in a human way, the way all of us enter, enter the world. And he was finally here physically and, and humanly to be with his people. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. He's gonna grow up like, like we grow up. He's gonna experience the world and go off to work like we have to experience the world and go off to work. He's gonna eat the same food we eat and cry the same tears. He's gonna laugh with us. He's gonna die with us. He's gonna die for us. But even, again, if you're sitting here going, that's right, that's right, he's gonna do that, praise the Lord, whatever that is, listen, in the middle of a really, really, really bad night, after a really, really, really horrible fight with your family, after a really, really bad road trip, and a really tough pregnancy, and this is not the way I thought our marriage was gonna go, in the middle of that, it's hard to see the whole, fear not, big picture, isn't it? In the middle of that, it's really, really hard to see that God was being good, and God was keeping his promise there in that cave, there in that garage, and even there in the hospital room, even there in the cancer ward, even there in divorce court, it's really hard to see he's even there. But he is. See, God, God showed up in that barn that day and nobody cared. And nobody paid attention because it wasn't what they expected. That's, that's the first Christmas. Merry freaking Christmas, right? Not what, not what I expected. And here's, here's, again, here's the, the trump card. All this happens after Mary and Joseph look at God and go, we trust you. You can have our lives. We'll obey you and we'll follow you anywhere. And then this happens. And you gotta think at any time, at any time they would have connected the dots and, and thought, thought this, you know what? All this just goes away if we just stop obeying him. He says if we obey him, it's gonna lead to something right and true and good and better. And this does not feel right or true or good or, or, or better. And you gotta think in their minds, they're going, let's just tap out because this isn't working. 
Now, we're, we're going we're gonna to pick this up next week, all right? Um, and, and a lot of times we go, well, that's as bad as it got. No, file this away. Sometimes when you follow Jesus, your life gets harder, not easier, all right? So what do you mean by that? Right after Jesus is born, okay? And we're going to look at the shepherds and some of the angels and stuff next week. But a short time later, uh, the king, the local king, he's a puppet king of, of Caesar. Uh, he finds out that there's a, a king, uh, the king of the Jews has been born in a town called Bethlehem. He feels really threatened about that. So he sends a death squad, kills all the babies, pulls them out of their mother's arms, pulls them out of the cribs, two years and older, all the baby boys, goes ISIS on them, throws them in the middle of the street and puts a spear through them. Just like we watch on the news every day. It happened. All right, and, 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 and some angels warn Jesus, uh, or Mary and Joseph, they get out of town and for three years, they are refugees down in Egypt. And then when they finally come home, listen, this is, what, this is what Jesus comes home to. Because for the rest of Jesus' life, people point at Jesus when he walks by and go, hey, isn't that Jesus, the carpenter's son? And you gotta think they're doing it with tongue in cheek because what they mean is, hey, isn't that the bastard son of that girl that got knocked up in high school and then marry that guy who's so stupid he stuck around? That's what was whispered. And Jesus heard every word. And some of us have stuff like that whispered about us too, right? And you gotta think, listen, if God really is God and he can do anything he wants in any way that he chooses, the question is, why do you think God chose to do it this way? Because you know what? If I was God, and we're all glad I'm not, but if I was God... I have a better plan. Here's what I would have done. I would have had Jesus born in Rome. It's the political military capital of the world. If he was born in the palace in Rome, this thing would have gone fast. Boop, Christianity everywhere, right? Or how about, if not that, how about he was born in Jerusalem? It was just a spiritual capital of the world. If, if the word got out that a baby was born on the altar in the, in the middle of the temple, people would pay attention to that and go, he's, he's very, very, very special. How about this? How about Jesus be born to a family with a good name, a big name, a big bank account, maybe an army that backs him up? It seems like that would have gotten the word out much quicker than this, right? If he was bigger, stronger, richer, whatever that is. Because I'll, I'll be honest with you, whenever I'm in a driveway, having that, you know, that moment when I'm ready to go in the house and, and, and tell Robin or whatever, going, this isn't fair and I don't understand why this is happening, you know, right? In the middle of a, a family fight or the worst road trip ever, whenever I'm in a place where I'm going, this doesn't make sense and this can't be fixed, here, here's where I immediately go. My solution is always, you know, if I was bigger and if I was stronger and if I was richer, this wouldn't be happening, Right? If I, I tell you, I'd make people obey. I'd make people get in line if I was bigger, stronger, and richer. Guess what? I'm not. Neither are you. you you're just you. And I'm just, I'm just me. And this is my life. I wish my life was different, but it's not. This is my life. And what is happening is actually happening. So here, I'm almost done. You're going to get out early. Do not get used to it. All right, so um, here's a question, all right? Given, given what's going on in your life, and I'm not talking about the life you wish you had and if things were different and if you got the raise but you didn't get the raise and if you had more money, if your parents were better or whatever that is. I'm not talking about that. That didn't happen. I'm talking about this is your life. Given what's happening in your life or what has happened in your life, whether it's your fault, you just made a mistake, you screwed up and, and brought a whole bunch of things on yourself or you didn't do anything wrong. You did it all right. Somebody else screwed up and all their bad choices landed on you. Even if you did everything right and it's still not working out. In the middle of that moment right there because we've all been in that garage. We've all been in the driveway. We've all been in the emergency room. We've always been in the middle of the worst moment of your life where you're going, how can this be? Here's a question. What kind of God do you need? Right? What, what kind of God are you even looking for? Because I'm telling you, in the middle of my family, my marriage fight or my fight with my kids or, my, or, or, or stressing out about money and stuff like that, you know what? I, I, I don't need God to tell me, well, I took your sins away. I, 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 thank you. I mean, in the middle of the most stressful moment of your life, and some of us are in that right now, 
Let me ask you this, better. What kind of God would you trust in that moment? A God who simply controls people like a puppet and makes them do what he wants them to do? do you, would you trust that? Is that what you're looking for in that moment? How about a God who stays far away? He stays in heaven and he shouts advice and he commands to you, but doesn't really get involved in your life? How about, hey, how, how about this? A God who says, you know, you're on your own. I don't care. I don't understand. I'm God. You're you. And I can't really relate to that. You're figured out. That's how it feels sometimes, right? Here, here's, here's the God I need in the worst moment of my life, right? A God who just looks at me and goes, yeah, me too. A God who says, I get it. I understand. What do you mean? I've, I've been in the garage. I've been in the barn. I've been to that funeral. I've felt that. Yeah, me too. That's a God who just seems like I could actually trust. Right? Let's go back, go back to the scripture that we looked at last week, all right? It says this, for we, and it's talking about us, all right? We don't have a high priest. We talked about this. A priest is just somebody that connects us to God. We're talking about Jesus. We don't have a Jesus who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. We don't have a Jesus who doesn't get our life. He's been in the barn, right? He's been there, right? Here's the Jesus we have. We have a Jesus who in every respect has been tempted. What do you mean tempted? To tap out, to put it in reverse and say, I, this is too much. Right? He's been tempted in every way we are, yet without sin, yet he hasn't quit. All right? So if that's true, if he can say, I've been in the car, I've been in that, I've been in that house, I've been in that family, I've been in all that, I, I, I get it, me too. If that's true, then this is true. Let us then, if that's true, with, what's the word? It's, just, what's, it's the same word as trust and faith. It's the same word. Let's, if that's true, then with faith and confidence an absolute assurance, let's draw near to the throne of grace. Let's draw near to Jesus. Why? That we may receive mercy. When you see the word mercy, it just means, can you let me off the mat? Yeah, so we can go and receive mercy and find grace, strength, not just forgiveness, but strength to help in time of, of, of need. That's what I need in the cave, in the barn, in the middle of the worst night, after the worst family fight, after the worst road trip, and a really tough marriage, and really, really, really hard, hard time. I, I, I need that. Anybody else? So I told you that, that ben, uh, ben was going to teach this week, and so he sent me his notes, and the thing is, is that he uh, actually wrote the last part first, and so I thought, how am I going to wrap this up? I'm just going to read you what he sent me, because I, I could not say it any better. I think he nails it. Listen to this. This is what Ben sent me. He said, Jesus wasn't born so that if you're faithful enough and obedient enough, he promises to give you a decent paycheck and a nice house and a happy family. No. Instead, the good news is that God came to suffer with you. And of all the reasons on the list of why God came and put on flesh and became Jesus, we've never thought about that. He came to suffer with us. See, Jesus knows what it's like to lose loved ones, to grow up in a dysfunctional family, to be hated by his hometown, to be betrayed by a friend, to suffer for doing the right thing, to suffer because others did the wrong thing. He knows what it's like to be hungry and poor and misunderstood and misrepresented. Jesus knows what it's like to be surrounded by people all the time, but also carry a loneliness that you can taste. He knows what it's like to be absolutely exhausted, to be, to, to be deeply sad, to be lonely in a crowded room. And in fact, Jesus knows what it's like to shout the question that we all shout when life gets really, really hard and confusing. Here's the question. God, where are you? you ever prayed that? Jesus shouted it like this, not from a manger, but from a cross in the most painful, lonely moment of his life. 
This is what it looked like. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And let's just translate it. Why have you abandoned me in a beater car on the side of a road all alone? Why have you left me in a cancer ward? Why have you left me single and lonely all my life? Why have you forgotten about me in the worst fight of my life? I am on my own. God, where are you? Can you relate to that? So what are you looking for in or from Jesus? Because we don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with us. We have Emmanuel. We have God with us. And this is why we do not have to be afraid. This is what Christmas is about. The good news that unto us a child is born and that child is Jesus, God in the real human flesh, just like the real human flesh that we have, here to suffer with us and to suffer for us, here to say, me too. And if that's true, if that's the kind of God that he is, that would make him, by definition, good. And if he's willing to go that far so that he can understand and sympathize with our real life weaknesses and struggle, then maybe I can trust him. Because honestly, I, I wouldn't trust any other kind of God, would you? So we're going to pick this up next. We're going we're to sing a song. All of our campuses are right now. That just reminds us is that, you know, because in, in the worst moment of your life, in the worst night of your life, at the worst fight of your life, in the, just the darkest part of your life, you look around and go, God, where are you? And we have to intentionally go back and go, he's right here. And he's good. This, not good. This, Good. Let's stand up again, all our campus. Let's stand up together. And here's, we're going we're to sing this song together. But here's what I want you to do. Because see, some of us, this is not hypothetical or about somebody else. We're in, the, we're in the barn, we're in the cave right now. We're trying to put on a happy face, but let's be honest. There's some of us, we hate Christmas. Because it's all about family and memories and they're not good memories. We're just trying to buy stuff that we can't afford. We're just trying to make it to January, not think about the bills. We're just trying to, trying to get through this. And in this moment, we haven't told anybody, but we feel absolutely lo- alone and overwhelmed. And you know what the worst feeling in the world is? To feel alone and overwhelmed and nobody cares. And the only way we're gonna make it through this is to remember he's, he's, he's with me and he's good even when this is not. So Lord, We come into this place because life beats us up and life tells us that we're not important and that it can't be fixed and it's just gonna always be more of the same. And then we hear this old story from a couple thousand years ago about you making a decision to come and be with us so that you can understand what's going in our head right now and say, I I get it. They did that to me too. I felt that too. I went to that funeral too. I got betrayed by her too. And that just blows our mind. But if that, if that is really true, Jesus, that you really do understand our lives and that you care and that you're good and when everybody else leaves us in the darkest moment, you will always be right here. If that's true, that makes you good and, and, and I trust you. So you're, you're not what I thought, not what I expected. Come to find out you're actually better. And that's why I worship you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.